oh, tech, sometimes you just don't like me, which is really ironic because if you guys kind of tried to listen to Tuesday's episode, I said that this was not a rags to riches story or somebody who did everything right. And uh, yeah, we had some tech problems, but I'm going to let you in on uh, the lowdown today. You're listening to Inbox Besties, the only little guy approved podcast that gives you dangerously practical advice for turning internet randos into subscribers with benefits. You know, the kind that pop open their wallets and throw fistfuls of cash at you for your courses and, and coaching, not like that other stuff. Perv. Now let's get to it. Welcome back, my inbox besties, besties. Kate Doster here of katedoster.com. And as always, I am beyond excited to be in your ear holes today. So <laughs> I have switched us to a different audio recording software, one that's actually made for, you know, podcast and audio because I wanted to give you guys a better experience. And clearly I am bad at using it because when we exported the file, it was only about two and a half minutes. So you guys really didn't get the crux of how I became a copywriter in Tuesday's episode. So I went ahead and I took that one off of the feed so that way no one is confused and you're going to hear about it now. So if you're like, Kate, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, it it was a thing, but y'all didn't actually get to care about it. I also announced that we're going to be coming at your ear holes two times a week, which we still are. We're actually going to be probably be doing Monday, Wednesday, as opposed to Tuesday, Thursday. So keep an ear out for that. Make sure you hit that good old subscribe button wherever you are listening. The other thing I want to let you know before I tell you the story of how I became a copywriter and started my business is that until May 9th, 2020 on Saturday, you can actually get 20% off the course that has been called wildly life-changing and the best thing I ever bought for my business. That is Trello magic. So for less than $20, you are going to get access to 27 pre-made cello boards, each of which comes with a video where I give you bonus tips on how to set up your business, how to organize your brain from everything from doing a launch to webinars, to planning out your day and your week, especially at this time where you need a lot of flexibility and your energy levels, just like the rest of us are kind of an up and down sort of a flow. So head on over to trellomagic.com, but make sure you use the coupon code TIME, T-I-M-E. There'll be a link in the show notes because if you don't use that coupon code, then you're not getting your money off. So follow directions. So like I had said earlier, we're going to go to two times a week that we are going to be actually recording and releasing episodes. And every time that you guys actually ask me questions over on Instagram, Kate underscore Doster, I'll go ahead. I'll leave a link to that down below as well. Or when you guys send me emails, Kate at Kate Doster, I answer them as quickly as I possibly can, which sometimes it is a couple of days that go by, but I also make a copy of the question and put it in this huge sort of Google doc that I have that is called Kate's questions <laughs> because if one person's asking a lot are. So I figured that I would answer the question that I have been dancing around, honestly, which is ironic because I was a ballet dancer for 15 years in my youth, not like professional, just, you know, a girl who loved ballet. And that is how did I start my business and how did I become a copywriter? So in order to answer that, you probably need to know what a copywriter is. And that is somebody it's with a W, not an R. We don't do legal stuff. They gets paid to write words that sell that's it. <laughs> okay. So that's what a copywriter is. So I basically 
have had a million different majors in college, everything from finance to musical theater to communications to speech and hearing and communications to psychology. Long story short, I ended up with a communications and speech and hearing and psychology degree. Oh, I also did um, education for a while as well. So I learned how to make lesson plans, which this all turns out to be a perfect storm of creating a degree that would actually get me to where I am today. But I was not a writer by any stretch of the imagination. I was a math and science kid, bar none. However, your girl won every single prize speaking. She was in theater. She won every debate. Your girl is persuasive. She knows how to build an argument and how to motivate people because I'm fascinated by people and how they work and their behavior. And if I'd ever found out that behavioral economics was a thing, probably would have gone into that and been like the Freakonomics guy because I find people fascinating. So even though I have dyslexia, which means, you know, not the D's and B's sort of a thing, but sometimes when I write the words that I want, I might write what instead. But what is really kind of messed up about dyslexia is even when you're proofreading, because your brain knew you wanted the word want, it's still going to read what is want every time. So it's very interesting that somebody with this would actually get paid to write because again, I wasn't a journalist. I wasn't somebody who wrote stories all of the time. I loved storytelling as in I always had a big imagination, but writing was not necessarily my strong point. However, in order to make a great copywriter, again, someone who writes words that sell, knowing people, being able to have conversations, to be able to really get to the heart of the matter, to be able to depict scenes, that's all stuff talkers can do. All of us. It's just a matter of slowing down our brain enough to actually put it into words. So basically, as somebody who had a million different majors, I had a million different jobs here and there, but they were always very low paying. I came from a family background where sales were the devil, rich people were the devil. There's never enough, even though there always was. We were definitely a middle class. My mom was in medicine. She got paid well. My dad was in manufacturing, but my mother had the most scarcity mindset I think I've ever seen, especially with somebody who had no reason to be. So it got to the point where I felt so bad and so gross about money that even if we were doing fundraisers, like, you know, sponsor 10 cents per jump in the jump roping thing for American Heart Association, I wouldn't even tell my family I was doing it. Same thing with like selling wrapping paper or chocolates. I would just throw it in the trash automatically because it was like I was stealing from my relatives. And I love my relatives. My girl's a bit of a people pleaser at the time. So it just, yeah, a lot of guilt, a lot of feelings around this. So I did social services for a while after college. And then I went into banking again. Your girl's a jack of all trades. So she got an associate's in accounting, went into banking. I found out um, about a month and a half after that job that I was pregnant with our first child. And at that time in 2012, and I hope that it has changed, but it was not then. And it was totally legal. Pregnancy, if you have been someplace for less than a year, they're not required to hold your position at all, period. So in America, we don't have paid maternity leave or paternity leave or any of that sort of stuff. It's up to everyone's discretion. But the national law was, if you haven't been someplace for a year, they don't have to do anything. So it was probably about... I was pregnant for about four months before I really tried to get into the maternity policy of the bank I was at. They had just been bought. I couldn't tell anybody, couldn't tell anybody. Nobody like could tell me anything. They considered the baby an illness or an injury. So that was great. My child was a tumor and <laughs> should have known, should have known by that document. And then I get a phone call. It was probably, I was eight and a half months pregnant, just about nine. And they're like, yeah, 
um, if you don't come back three days after giving birth, you're fired. Straight up terminated. Because I asked them, like, is it like a laid off? Is it like a furloughed? They're like, no, you're fired for somebody who couldn't perform their job or show up to work. So essentially, they were going to fire me for no call, no show. So I was livid, livid. I'm like, screw this company. So I was never going back to them regardless. And spoiler, I physically couldn't have even got there. One, I was still in the hospital three days after giving birth. And two, we had an emergency C-section, so I could barely walk. It was a really rough time. And it was my first time as a mom. It was just a perfect storm of horrible. So we end up having my second child. My husband is in human services. That's how we met. So y'all know human services does not equal Dollarinos. So we ended up having to go on as public assistance, which, you know, the food stamps, the health insurance reimbursement, the whole nine yards, WIC, and all of that. And it's very humbling. And I think that I was always afraid to share that, but I thought that it really it really needs to be said because after interviewing Kate from Simple Pin Podcast, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes, she started her Pinterest business because they also had to go on food stamps because it was the recession. And it was just one of those things like, oh, I had no idea. And I think that a lot of people, especially a lot of the business owners that you look up to, especially if they have families, that seems to be the position that they were at that started their business off. So that's what it was for us. So I just felt really guilty. I'd always been very independent, very, very smart, despite the dyslexia. I always got A's and B's and everything, honor society, all that jazz, right? So here I was, a stay-at-home mom, no offense, <laughs> but I'm like, my brain wasn't cut out for that. And a public assistance. And it's just like, what happened? <laughs> what happened? And I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Like that's just straight up. It is an uncomfortable topic for me to talk about. And perhaps I'll get better at it. Just like you guys will get better telling your origin story, but that's it. Got fired when on welfare. Okay. So this is a couple of years fast forward because it was just a very, a lot of life happened in a very short amount of time for us. So basically my brain is rotting. I am tired of having to get handouts. We had done the math when I actually gave birth to my first child and it was actually more economically feasible for me to stay home. Like it just, it on paper, black and white, it made more sense to stay home because after you factored in daycare and healthcare costs and food costs, like we were literally going to be losing, assuming I could get a job for over $11 an hour, which part-time is damn near impossible, even with all of my degrees. Okay. Ridiculous. And hopefully it's gotten better. But in 2012 and 2013, it was not. And it, it just made no sense. It made no sense. And that's why I think the working poor is really a thing. I don't think anyone chooses to be on that situation. But when you do the math and it is in your favor to be there, you stay there for a little while. But I was, I was over it. I just, I was over it. So I was like, you know what? I got a small inheritance from my grandparent passing away bought myself a Mac Air because it could read things back to me. And I was going to be like a blogger. I had before I had switched careers so much and had our child. I definitely went through a quarter life crisis. 100% if I knew that life coaching was a thing, I would have been a life coach then 110%. I didn't know it was a thing. I was wanting to motivational speaking, but I thought, oh, I need to have a, a business first or something more established first. And while I do think that you cannot ever make false claims, I think that allowing yourself to take the easy road and fall into your natural gifts is smart. So that's kind of lesson number two here. It's really, really smart. And I was definitely going against that, even ironically with the writing, because I always came from that background of money is so hard to 
get. But here's the thing. I fell in love with copywriting because like I said, I loved people. I loved motivation. I loved coming up with stories and examples. And I always had the oddest words ever in my speeches. And I would just make up terms like that's all stuff that I could do verbally. And I'm like, I can manage to write this down. So at this time, it was probably like 2016, Periscope was really, really hot. Facebook groups were really, really hot. That was like the way to start a business. So I had originally started a blog talking about mindfulness meditation because that's what I was into. This is right before Marie Kondo came out, I have to say, but I was already into that lifestyle because I hated cleaning. So I got rid of all of the non-mandatory stuff because I just, I hated cleaning. I still do. It's the worst. (laughs) Not, Not for your girl, not for your girl. So I just, the type of articles that do really well in that space or did really well in that space, the type of questions that I was getting, it was all stuff that either I just was not passionate about writing about. So I was not passionate about those people or it's ones that I didn't feel like I had enough training to answer. So especially like the mindfulness with like the meditation, I could talk about my experiences and the way that I've come up with these things. But like I wasn't a yoga teacher, obviously I wasn't a shaman and I just felt like weird. You know, maybe if I had that first blog sort of taken it as an adventure blog, like come with me on my journey, as opposed to trying to set myself up as an authority because I had been doing stuff for six months, perhaps it worked out better, but I just am not passionate about that topic. I just can't, cannot talk about that. So what I did love was hanging out in this Facebook group with the other entrepreneurs. And so they would post things like landing pages, not funny what the term was. And they talk about freebies and growing their email list. And they would always ask questions like, Oh, you know, can someone take a look at this and let me know, you know, no one's signing up for it. And I was always like, well, this sounds awful or this sounds cheesy. And then I would tell people what to write instead. And so I got kind of a reputation at that. So I started doing some work for people actually like pro bono. So that way I could get my feet wet. Periscope, like I said, was a thing. So I started going on Periscope and talking about what I had learned and what I had done for people. I think that I was pretty transparent, letting people know that like I just started this, but here's the results that people were getting. And what's really great about copywriting is it's very research heavy. I love reading. I still love reading now and then too. So like I was reading all the psychology books. I already know that. I read, you know, the science and art of advertising and all of these great, great books. And I'm like, this is like a job where you get paid to read stuff (laughs) and then you just like create stuff. And like, it's just like fantastic. Like it clicked so much better than writing any blog post ever did. Okay. It just did. So I kind of just went and said that I was one. I had talked about my background story and that's how I got hooked up with my mentor because people always ask. So we were on something called the Perry train together, chit chatted. She's like, Hey, you can work under me as a junior copywriter. I'll give you some assignments and some briefings. We'll, you know, kind of let you go at it for a little bit, you know, practice what you've learned. I'll go in, I'll tidy it up. I'll tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing or what I had to add or why things didn't work or what was really great. And then we'll hand it over to the client. I loved that because it gave me so much confidence, especially because I'm not a natural born writer and I loved working with her. What ended up happening, some people have wondered, is that it was just one of those things where it would be less and less corrections. And so pretty much, you know, she was, she was paying me well, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, but what she was getting was like, you know, four times what I was making. And she was just sending things with like no corrections. So essentially it was almost like a, a triage situation because at one point they're just, there wasn't any more comments. She was just selling my work. 
So we ended up, I was at the same time taking a lot of my own clients. So it wasn't anything bad or amicable. Like I still love her. I think she's the best and I needed her so much when I had her, but it was, I was getting my own work again. I was getting paid more, but what was happening with the copywriting, even with her as well as mentor is if I charged her for five hours, it really took me 10. And I felt really guilty that it was taking me so long. Same thing with some of my other clients. You know, even though I started getting in the groove, I was never that person that could like whip out a sales page in like an hour, like never. Um, landing pages, those I could probably do in an hour, but still, you know, it would take me more time. And when I came up with my ROI, it wasn't like, yeah, sure. At one point, you know, making $5,000 a month is huge, especially when you're coming from, you know, banking. Cause I was entry level in the banking, hadn't even gotten to any place good to pay the money yet. And human services like, Oh my goodness, this is so much. But when I sat down and figured out how much I was getting paid per hour, it was a dismal at one point. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And it's like, you know, you keep on taking more clients and you keep on charging a premium and that's fine. But again, I still had a lot of guilt at, this is something that I enjoyed. And even though writing wasn't my strong point, I just, I always made things harder than they had to be. And definitely let me know over on Instagram, Kate underscore Doster, if that's you, if you feel guilty when things come easy and you charge for it. So I definitely think I made it a million times harder than it had to be. Cause now like I can pump those things out like nobody's business. So at this sort of time with all the mentorship and everything that was going on, me taking my own clients, people getting results, all that greatness. Um, my husband's human services job ended. So he was home now. So again, I could take on more clients. And again, I was chained to my desk, chained to my desk. I decided that I wanted to switch into Instead of a freelancing business that I wanted to do a one-to-many model, you know, teach people copywriting, create products, because I love teaching and I love creating and I love talking and I love all of those things. And while, yes, I could still make money as a copywriter. And to be honest with you, during that very bumpy transition from freelancer to one-to-many model, I secretly did take on more copywriting clients because I always knew I could pay the bills with that. And I did. It was an extremely bumpy road because as a freelancer, you can make a shit ton of cash with a very small audience. And it's usually just about you showing yourself as an expert and getting somebody results and then getting referrals. When you switch to a one-to-many model, you need to have many people, right? So I definitely feel like I had wrapped up all my copywriting projects and I was just like, I need to burn the bridge. Should not have burned the bridge. And I 110% at that point in time, if I could go back and shake Kate's shoulders, should have gotten a business coach, at the very least a life coach, but preferably a business coach. I think that I was just had a lot of disdain for that coaches do coaches coaching model. But honestly, the longer I've been in the game, the more that I actually see why that is the case because there's so much mindset junk that gets in our way that we're not afraid to do that we feel like we're crappy or like who am I and we let just things sort of but like get bottled up or swept under the rug or we just don't do what we're supposed to be doing or we think we're doing things to move our business forward but we're not so I really do wish that I had had that mentorship but I think even back then I was afraid that if I got a business coach I would want to become a business coach which I 100% could have done because I did have this copywriting business but I felt Felt guilty because again, talking, problem solving, being creative, those are all things that come amazingly natural to me. And I could have charged thousands of dollars for that skill, whereas I was still charged a thousand dollars for copywriting, but it would take me hours on end. And so I'm like, how can I charge a thousands of dollars for things and not have 
anything tangible at the end to give to people. I did not realize the power of being able to get into somebody's brain to be able to not necessarily fix those glitches, but to give people the tools to get over it, to be able to give them those ahas. And I think that also comes from myself having business coaches since last year and this year, this made a huge difference. And my business has always grown by leaps and bounds when I had a mentor. So I don't know why. Actually, I do know why I was pigheaded and I didn't want to spend the money on it, but I should have. And I know that the business would have gone much further faster if I had. So that's it for the story of how Kate became a copywriter. She always had a background in psychology. She was really good at people and storytelling. She found out about this randomly through a Facebook group, got really good at it, made a name, did pro bono work, got hooked up with a mentor, which was, like I said, the greatest thing that could have happened at that particular point, took on her own clients, um, left with the mentor and just sort of did her own thing and then switched to a one-to-many model, which if you guys are interested in that transition, perhaps we can have that for a another day, but I have chatted your ears off for 20 minutes. And again, I wanted to switch these episodes to be about that 15 minute mark. So we're a little bit over, but I would love to hear your business origin story, how you started, why you started all of that greatness and how you ended up actually at your niche. So go ahead. Let's keep this conversation going over on the IGs, Kate underscore Doster, and I will see you guys next Monday. Thank you for having Inbox Besties in your ear holes today. Why don't we go ahead and make it a regular thing? Go ahead and slap that subscribe button now. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and take a screenshot and tag me over on your Instagram stories, Kate underscore Doster, so that way I can give you a shout out for being a bestie of the week. Later days.